Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, as we focused on the supremacy of Christ for a few weeks now, we're finally to the last part of this book, and we're going to close this chapter on the book of Colossians with really Paul's greetings to the people that he's writing to. And in this passage of Scripture, he mentions several people. There are six men that he mentions. And we're going to take his greeting to those men, look at the little bit, a brief uh, picture of their life and their ministry, and make application for us today. So you didn't think you could get a sermon out of the, the, the sincerely yours, but we're going to do that, all right? Verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is also called Justice. These alone of the circumcision are my workers for the kingdom of God. They have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always contending for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything, in everything God's, God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Verse 14, Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her home. When this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So Paul is saying, you share these letters with one another. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. This greeting is in my own hand. Paul, remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. So this is Paul's letter, again, from prison to the church at Colossae. He sends this letter with others to encourage the church, and he wraps up this letter with saying, these folks that I know are sending greetings to encourage you, and also I'm sending some encouragement to them. And it appears that Paul picked up a pen and signed his name to whatever the secretary who he's dictating to would have written probably the rest of the letter. Paul was a, a soul winner, but he was also a friend maker. If you go through and you look at the epistles of Paul, his letters that he wrote, and you look at the book of Acts, you can count up about a hundred people that his ministry not only impacted, but he had some kind of a personal encounter with those folks. So he's not just naming names to be a name dropper. He is personally concerned about the spiritual welfare of the people he writes to and the people who minister alongside him. So we're going to look at these six names that he mentions and and highlight them. First of all, there are some men who stayed. Some men who stayed, and Paul mentions their name there. We're just going to walk through these guys and, and make some application to our lives and look at some characteristics that we should have. First of all, of the men who stayed, there's Aristarchus, and he was a fellow helper. Paul calls him a fellow helper. My fellow prisoner, he greets you, but he's one who, who came to help him. 
a prisoner of Paul, probably not like Paul in prison, but a, a volunteer who showed up to help and encourage Paul to stay there with him. Some, some have called him a, a voluntary prisoner for the gospel. That's a good description, isn't it? Voluntarily saying, I'm going to give my life up to come alongside Paul and to help him and encourage him. We know that he's from Macedonia, one of Paul's traveling companions of the book of Acts mentions. Um, he was one who risked his life during the, uh, the Ephesian riot. He sailed with Paul to Rome, experienced the storm and shipwreck, so he knew what it was like to go through some difficulties. And, and I think about this guy, and I think about how he's the one who stayed with Paul when things got tough. Having been there for a riot, that caused me to maybe hightail it. Having been there through shipwreck, that caused me to give up, but he stayed with Paul. He was faithful, so he's that, that kind of a helper, not looking for an easy assignment. How many followers of Christ, when things get tough, they just give up? When, when life happens, they just check out on God. You know what? I'm going to follow God as long as things are cushy and, and comfortable for me. But when things aren't that way, I'm checking out. That's the way a lot of people live their Christian life. He didn't call us to an easy life, folks. He called us to a life of surrender, a life of sacrifice, a life of obedience, so as I think about this first man named here, Aristarchus, I, I want to be that kind of guy who will stay with the stuff when the stuff gets tough. I want to be the person who matters even in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a crisis. I want to be that kind of person. I hope you do too. Secondly, he mentions Mark. We know him as John Mark also. He failed but was given a second chance. He doesn't say much about Mark here, but we know the story. We go back. He's a cousin of Barnabas. He mentions that here. Um, he's a writer of the Gospel of Mark. That's an important role in the early church, possibly led to Christ by Peter. Remember the story on the first missionary journey? He accompanies Paul and Barnabas, probably an assistant there. And When the going got tough, he abandoned Paul and Barnabas. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15 that he returned home to Jerusalem. The words are, he deserted them. I'd like to have that said about you and your walk with Christ. When things got difficult, he deserted them, and he did, he did that. But later, Paul and Barnabas are going on another journey, and they take John Mark along. All the, uh, he refuses to take John Mark, Paulus, and then ultimately Paul says, he is one that I commend to you in 2 Timothy. So he's someone who failed. He, he went home. Paul didn't want to use him, but ultimately Paul says here, he's good. I, I commend him to you. Aren't you glad God is the God of a second chance? John Mark's testimony ought to be to encourage anyone who's failed in an attempt to serve God. Do you know someone like that? Can you come alongside them and say, you know, you tried? That's okay. Sometimes we, get, we learn more lessons through our discouragement, through our failures, through our disappointments than we do through our victories. Maybe I should say we always learn more through those than we do through our victories. So John Mark reminds me, I, I can have a second chance. Barnabas reminds me, I need to be the one who encourages. And he took John Mark in and encouraged him. Then he mentions justice in verse 11. There, Jesus, who is called justice. So what do we know about this person? We don't know very much. He's a little-known servant of Christ. Hardly anything about him except that he was a Jewish believer that served alongside Paul. And I thought about him. What's the application for this guy's life? And then I thought, that's most of us. Serving behind the scenes, faithful, not in the limelight. God's called me to this place. He's called some people to stand up here where there's a, a platform and a podium. But you know what he calls most of us to? 
just to be faithful servants. People are here early in the morning making coffee. People are in a prayer room praying. People are behind the scenes greeting and doing security and all those kinds of things that, that may not be in the limelight. Maybe their name isn't going to get called, but they're faithful servants. And so I thought that, that this guy, Jesus Justice, he's that kind of servant behind the scenes, willing to work without any recognition. How would you do if nobody ever said, boy, good job, thanks for serving? Now, we hope everybody gets that from somebody somewhere, sometime in this, this, this ministry, this church. But would you still stay with the stuff if you didn't get that? That's this kind of guy. Don't know much about him. And then he mentions Luke. A professional who surrendered his gifts to Christ. Luke is a professional who surrendered his gifts to Christ. In verse 14, he calls him Luke, the dearly loved physician. The dearly loved physician. He had the ability to make money, the ability to use his gifts and skills, but he surrendered that to be used for the glory of God. When you're reading the story of, of Paul's missionary journey and you come in the book of Acts it, and Luke begins to write, he's writing, by the way, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and he wrote Acts. So when you study New Testament, you study Luke-Acts because that's one, it's one continuous narrative that Luke wrote. And, and in that one section in there in chapter 16, when the man from Macedonia calls Paul over to help him, suddenly the narrative goes from describing what happened in the third person to we. <laughs> And Luke joins him there, and from then on, he's one of Paul's companions, and he travels with Paul to Jerusalem, and um, he stays to the very end. Second Timothy mentions him in chapter 4. He's an example to me as somebody who, who has a skill, who has a, a, maybe a profession, maybe a, a, a professional kind of person like a doctor, lawyer, something like that, who says, you know what, I'm going to use my gifts, my talents for the glory of God, and I'm just going to step aside from that. And I'm going to let God use me. I have a good friend. His name is Weldon. He was a senior internal auditor for one of the big oil companies in Houston when I met him. He's a big dog. He, he had some clout. And God started speaking to his heart about ministry. And he quit his job. And he went to seminary. And he served God faithfully as a pastor. Now he's pastoring pastors, mentoring pastors. And some people said to that guy, well, you should have probably just stayed where you were because you could have made a lot of money and made a, a difference for the kingdom given. Well, God called him out of that to use his gifts and abilities for the glory of God. You may not be a professional like that. You may not be a big dog with an oil company, or you might be, I don't know. Could it be that God could call you out of that to say, I have this ability to make money, but God wants to use me in his kingdom work? Maybe God would call you within that to stay there and be a Christ follower and a missionary in that context, in that culture. Luke is that man that reminds me of that. So those are the guys that stayed, all right? And then these are all going to rhyme, so you're going to be so impressed. Then we have the man who prayed, Epaphras. You wondered why I skipped him when I was walking through there. Let's just look at 12 and 13 again. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave to Christ Jesus or a servant, he greets you. He is always contending for you. The NIV says wrestling in prayer, contending for you in his prayer so that you can stand mature and fully assured everything God wills. And then he tests, has a testimony about him, how he, he works hard for them. Epaphras, the man who prayed, he probably is the founder of this church there in Colossae. 
led to Christ through Paul's ministry in Ephesus, returned home to share the gospel with his people there in Colossae. He's a missionary to his own country. He says, I'm going to be faithful where I come from, and I'm going to take the gospel to them. I thought about our missionary partners that our church has partnered with in Wyoming, who God could have called those guys a lot of places, but he called them to the pioneer area to serve there and plant churches. And I love following those guys who are serving faithfully there. That's like Epaphras, who says, I'm going to go back home and do that. Paul again calls him a fellow servant. He, he needed others. He, he was a part of a team. But I just want to focus on his prayer life, all right? One of the secrets to, I believe, his ministry and his faithfulness was that he, he was committed to prayer. Some people have asked me over the years, what, what, do you, what would you uh, credit the, the, um, the effectiveness to Coastal Oaks Church? And I'd go back and say, prayer, we're praying church. We've committed everything that we do to God and we try to follow him in that. That's the kind of ministry Epaphras had. So Paul most likely shared some space with Epaphras and so he heard the guy pray. And so he knew how he prayed. If you found that out, you learn a lot about a person by praying with them. I love doing that because you hear a person's heart. Well, we spent some time looking at influential speech last week, I think, and we talked about prayer a bunch. So I'm just going to quickly go through these, all right? He prayed constantly, constantly. Verse uh, 12, he is always contending for you, constantly. We talked about that moment by moment. Let it be a continuous part of your life like breathing, we said last time. Secondly, he prayed passionately, passionately. He says in, in verse 12 that he was contending for you or wrestling for you, struggling for you. King James Version says laboring fervently. It was a, a word that we get our word agony from. Same word that was used in Jesus' prayer in the garden as he agonized in prayer. That's the kind of prayer that Epaphras prayed, this agonizing prayer. See, for him, prayer was serious business. I have a pastor friend, and he sends me messages, and he says, I'm going to spend an hour in prayer for my friends. How can I pray for you today? I get those all the time. I'll get another note. Praying for my community from 7 uh, till 9 tonight. Lift me up in prayer. I love that. You know what? That, for that guy, prayer is serious business. I long to model his passion for prayer. I want to pray that way. Do you pray that way? Or is it a now I lay me down to sleep? Passionate prayer. Thirdly, he prayed personally. Now this is, this is making a big deal out of what I think should be. He is always continuing for you. Now, I know it's personal because Paul's naming these people. And he's saying, Epaphras prays for you personally. Personally. I love the fact that for him, prayer was not just a, a religious exercise that he checked the box. For him, prayer wasn't just something he had to do. You know, a prayer a day keeps the devil away. Prayer was something he was passionate about. And he, he got involved in the lives of other people in their personal lives. I think about Paul's testimony in Philippians where he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. That's what Epaphras would, would have prayed. I, I pray for you personally because you are important to me. Fourth, he prayed specifically. Specifically. We've got a specific prayer in verse 12 there. So that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. That's his specific prayer. 
He's praying that the believers in his, this congregation would grow to spiritual maturity in the will of God. That's my prayer for us as a congregation, that we would stand mature, fully assured in everything that God wills for us as a congregation. Specifically, again, we talked about that last week. Remember, not just God bless the missionaries, but let's find some specific things. Then the fifth thing, right? Five, he prayed sacrificially, sacrificially. Now, I'm not sure, but I think that verse 13, for I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. I, I really believe that he's still talking about prayer, that he's working hard for you in prayer, not just that he's a, a good worker, but that he's working hard for you in prayer sacrificially. The King James Version says he's doing this with much distress. John Jowett said, praying that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. It needs to be sacrificial. I remember one time an invitation was made when I was in seminary. A man spoke on prayer and he said, I want to invite anybody that's serious about prayer to join me at 6 o'clock in the morning right here. We're going to pray. And I was a brand new seminary student. I thought, I'm, I'm in. Of course, it, I had to get up early and drive all the way across Fort Worth. It was a good almost an hour away to get to church. And sun hadn't come up yet. I'm thinking, and as I'm on my way, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? I could still be in bed. And I showed up and of a church of probably, I don't know, 2,000. There may have been 15 of us that showed up that morning and prayed. And as we prayed, I, I learned a lesson there that forcing myself to sacrifice, to get to the place to pray was beneficial for me. I can't explain it. I'm not saying I earn any brownie points with God. You know, this wasn't my penance that I was doing. But for me to, to step back and say, I'm going to take whatever initiative I can to make this a special moment sacrificially, it was a blessing. We have men that meet here every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, and we pray. Over, we talked about that. We pray over this room. We pray over this service. And those guys show up, and sometimes it's a sacrifice for them, but we, we do it on a weekly basis. So Paul commends Epaphras for being a faithful servant, but I think more than anything that, that he prayed for people. So we've seen the men that stayed, the men that prayed, now the man who strayed. The man who strayed. Look at verse 14. Not much is said here. Luke, the dearly loved physician, now that we talked about Luke, and Demas greet you. That's it. The man who strayed is Demas. He's mentioned three times in Paul's letters, and each one of those tells a sad story. In Philemon, he's called my fellow laborer. He's linked with Mark and, uh, and, and Luke and, um, and others here. And the next mention, you have only Demas mentioned, but there's no condemnation or, or uh, any good words about him. And then finally, you pick up the story in, um, when Paul mentions him. He says, Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas had deserted Paul because he loved the present world more than he loved the Lord. See, he was never restored like John Mark. His issue was he loved the world more than he did serving in the kingdom. I want to highlight a couple of verses because I think a lot of us can, can relate to Demas. That is, isn't, that, isn't that true? Who have this struggle with, I, I want to be faithful to God 
And I'm in church on Sunday morning. That's a big deal for me. But what about the rest of the week? What about the rest of my time? I, I struggle with those, the, the, the being in the world and not being of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. John says it in a, in a clear way. Where, oh where, is 1 John chapter 2? Okay, got it. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, and he describes the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's lifestyle, is not from the Father, but is from the world. So what does it mean to love the world? By the way, the world is mentioned in Scripture to refer to, to the, the world we live in. It's also used to refer to people in the world. For God, for John 3.16, for God to love the world. But then it's used in this context, the world system of, of thinking that's contrary to the gospel. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. So, so this world system, this culture that goes completely contrary to God's word and, and, and the Christian life kingdom living... That's what draws us and pulls us. And, and the Bible says that Demas loved that more than the gospel. In Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus said it this way. No one can serve two masters. Either will hate one and love the other, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and slaves of mammon or money. He's saying you can't, you can't say I love God and love this other stuff too. So Jesus says it one way. John says it another way. Here's what they're saying. Your heart needs to be sold out, completely devoted to Christ. It's that simple. It's that simple. Who has your allegiance? Is it the stuff of this world? Is it the stuff you can cling to and, and gather? Is it notoriety? Is it pride? Is it fame? Is it pleasure? Or is your heart passionately drawn to the things of God? to his kingdom. I read a story this week about a, a toddler who had gotten his hand stuck in an expensive vase that the family owned, and they did everything they could to pull that hand out of that vase. They, you know how they do the Vaseline oil, everything. They tried everything. Finally, they said, if we're going to get this out, we're going to have to, they broke the vase, and they found out why he wouldn't pull his, he couldn't get his hand out. He had found some change in the bottom of that vase, and had grabbed hold of it and made a fist. That's why he couldn't get his hand out. I thought that's a picture of so many of us. That the, 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 the things that we cling to are the things that are trapping us. It's like the story of the people who, who trap monkeys with coconuts by putting a banana in a coconut, a little hole, and they get their hand in and they get stuck because they won't let go of it. And they're trapped. Don't be trapped by the things of this world. It is only temporary. It does not last. Maybe some of you need to hear that today. Where's your heart? Is there a kingdom focus to your life? Are you passionate about the things of God? Believe. That's the call for us today. Don't be like Demas. And then number four, the man whose ministry would be weighed. The man whose ministry would be weighed. He mentions Archippus in verse 17. Just wrapping up the letter here and tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. That's all he says. Paul is reminding Archippus of this, that, that he has been given a ministry by God 
and he is to accomplish it for God's glory. Maybe some have said that maybe Paul adds this word for Archippus because he was discouraged. And Paul said someone needs to come alongside him and encourage him. I'm not sure. But he's telling him, pay attention to the ministry you receive from the Lord. Because ultimately you're going to stand before the Lord is implied here. See, ministry is not something we do for God. It's something that God does through us. And if I will have my my mindset and my focus of of what I want to live my life in according to his will and his purpose, then it's going to work out. Because I'm, I'm letting him shape me and mold me to his image. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema, and give an account for the life we've lived. That's for believers. I believe it's a judgment of motivation, a judgment of heart to see that we've lived our life for God's glory. Can you live every day of your life with the anticipation that one day you're going to stand before God and give an account? And that's not so he's going to weigh your good works against your bad works and say, you got enough good, you're getting to heaven. This judgment is for people that's already been settled. You're already there because of what Christ has done for you. But to stand and give an account for life, how I've lived my life as a follower of Christ. Has it been so that I could accomplish what God has called me to do? That's my prayer. For us, that our ministry would be the ministry that God's called us to, that he could accomplish his purpose through us. In my devotional this morning, I read about a man. His name is Oma Wumi Efui. They call him Pastor O. I like that. <laughs> Pastor O. He pastors in England. His story was printed today because it's Sanctity of Life, Sanctity of Life Sunday. Pastor O did not know this, but when he was still in his mother's womb, his parents tried multiple times to abort him, multiple times, and they were unsuccessful. They finally threw up their hands and said, I guess we're going to have this baby. He learned about that later in his life, and he gave up a career of which he could have made a lot of money, and he said, you know what? God spared my life for a purpose. When he found that out about that, and he surrendered his life, He's a pastor now. Now, that doesn't mean God's going to call everybody to be a pastor, okay? So deep, uh, uh, breathe, just breathe a sigh of relief, all right? <laughs> okay, now you feel better? But it may be that you would need to say, God has me here for a reason. Like Archippus, he's got me here for something. Why am I here? Listen, if, if there was no reason... For you to be here, God, once you accepted Christ as Savior, he'd just take you home. But he left us here, why? So that we could have a life that accomplishes his purpose. Have you surrendered your life to him for his purpose? First of all, have you surrendered your life to Christ to trust him as your personal Savior? The Bible is so clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. The wages of sin is death. The Bible says spiritual death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in John chapter 1, the Bible is clear. As many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you would believe you're a sinner, understand that Christ died for you. Be willing to give him control of your life and receive him by faith. You can be saved. So if you haven't done that, I invite you to do that this morning. 
But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, are you surrendering your life to him for him to use for his glory? That should be your desire today. Let's pray together.